to you about, uh, I'm going to be reading and quoting from a website called Shabbat.org. It was written by a, a, a Jewish rabbi. And so this is an information that I know right offhand because I'm not an expert in Hebrew and Jewish studies and all that kind of thing. So pretty much reading to you from the things that I've learned. Um, as you guys know, I talked about earlier that this is a year that's known as a Shemitah year. Um, uh, every seven years in the Jews, in the Hebrew calendar, uh, it's known as a sabbatical year that is really devoted to strengthening your bond with God. So in order to allow you to do that, to focus just on the Lord, then they had to stop working their fields. Uh, can you imagine? If that was part of American culture, where they say for one year, uh, you're off work. <laughs> and for, but the, during that entire year, you have to spend that entire year uh, focusing on the Lord. So then all churches and ministries are required to be open seven days a week and providing uh, teaching and training. Can you imagine that? Like 12 hours a day so that the people of God can do nothing but study, pray, focus on God for an entire year. <laughs> and during that time, you're supposed to cancel all debts so that you can do that because you're not going to be working. So debt's got to be paid. So if you're paying rent or paying mortgage payments and all that kind of stuff, it all stops. You say, how do you eat? Well, all of those who were farmers, they had to open up their fields for everybody to eat from. Couldn't make nobody buy food. You had to give it all away. Can you imagine? <laughs> but I put it in those terms so you can understand what was really going on. during. That's what a Shemitah year means. You stop everything so that everybody can do nothing but focus upon the Lord. Now, even though it's known as a Shemitah year, and that's what I've talked about for the most part, that's not the meaning of the year. And you guys remember that um, the, the actual meaning of the year um, is, comes from the number of the Hebrew year. It's the year, to this right year, year that we're living in right now is the Hebrew year 5775. Uh, and it's uh, I-N-Hey uh, or uh, I don't know if they pronounce it hey or hi, but uh, however way it's pronounced, it means 75. And it's the year of God's presence. I call it the year of God's presence and power uh, and purpose. That's, a, <laughs> that's the best way I knew how to explain uh, uh, this particular year. Um, uh, it started on September 24th of 2013. Um, I'm sorry, of 2014, it started on, uh, and it continues all the way up until September the 13th of 2015. So until September 13th of this year, uh, um, we are still in the Shemitah year. We're still in the Hebrew year 5775. Uh, in the modern Hebrew um, uh, language, hey is associated with, with these terms, with beholding a great sight. It means to be connected with, with breath, with God's presence. It means revelation. Hay uh, uh, is associated with the creative power of God, um, the power that comes from the preceding uh, word of God. 
you remember when we I broke down these terms uh, for 2014, I-E-N Dalet, remember when I talked about that, I-E-N Dalet, and that means 74, I-E-N meaning uh, it's a silent letter, there's no English translation for I-E-N. Ayin, it's it, but it does mean that it, it sees, but it does not speak. Uh, it represents humility. It means I, like again, to see. It also means divine providence. Um, and it's interesting to note that Ayin is because it's a, it's 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 going to be uh, part of a decade. In other words, for for the Hebrew calendar, this is a decade of of Ayin. Of yeah, I, I, and so it, it's 70, 71, 72, 73, 74. So it's an entire decade of humility. It's an entire decade of seeing, of insight. Uh, and I, I find it interesting that here in America, in church culture in America, we do just the opposite of what we, we, we've been behaving just the opposite of what this uh, decade actually should be representing. We're in a time where TV preachers and everybody is telling everybody to declare and speak and all of that, and in, actually it's, it's a year of humility. It means, it actually means to stop talking and just look. <laughs> look at what God is doing. And so we're telling people, it's time to declare and speak forth and uh, see what God is doing. Just see, see that, and for, for instance, last year, see into the open door and humble yourself because you have, it was more specifically than open tent. And so in order to go in a tent, you always had to bow low to go in. Wow, interesting. Uh, Dalet, as I remember from last year when we talked about it, it's a picture of the hanging tent door. It means the movement of someone who's either coming from or going into a tent. Now, for this year, 75, uh, again, uh, Ayin means uh, to see, but does not speak, represents humility, means to see, divine uh, providence of God. But hey, the picture, it's a picture of, of a, both a Dalet, a tent door, and a Yod, which is hand, or God's hand. It's a picture of the spirit of God. That little symbol standing in the tent door uh, is a picture of the Spirit of God indwelling the believer. So this is a powerful, powerful statement about what this year represents. It's a Shemitah year in which we're being told to focus upon the Lord. And it's not a coincidence that in this Shemitah year, the focus is upon is for us to see and really look at the presence of God indwelling us his presence, his power, uh, his purpose. Uh, I want to add this as a note before I, I go any further. That letter uh, for, is that also that number, the number five is also the same is the, is the Hebrew letter, hey, that's the number five, hey. And when God changed Abram and Sariah's name, Check this out, guys. He inserted this letter into Abram's name. So when God said, I'm going to change your name and make you the father of many nations, he took Abram, put in hay 
in the middle. He put that letter in the middle of Abraham's name and said, my presence comes right into the middle of your name. My power comes right into the middle. Isn't that awesome? My purpose comes right into the middle of your name. What did he do with Sariah's name? He put that same letter and he put it at the end of her name and changed her name. Because what? Why? Because the only reason, only way you guys are going to be able to have this promised seed is going to be what? By my presence, by my power. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I just love that when I saw that. So God means this for us in this Shemitah year when he has us now uh, going back and looking at the words that he has spoken to us, going back and eating from the old crops, the harvest that he has given us. And telling us this is a year for us to be focusing on his presence, his power, his purpose. And here he is telling us, here's the reason why. Because I think we underestimate um, what God is really speaking and saying to us till we see things like this. Where he took, he took this simple letter and inserted it into a man's name. He took this simple letter and put it at the end of a woman's name changed their names and empowered them to do what he had promised them that he would do. That is astounding. So I want you to see what God is saying to us for in each and every one of our own hearts in each and every one of our own homes. So when we say things like, Lord, okay, I'm seeking you. I'm laying aside all the cares and the worries of life, all the responsibilities, and I am focusing upon you. Lord, I come into the tent and I come in to your presence. And Lord, whatever it's going to take to change me, I say yes, Lord, yes and amen. Every promise that you have given me, Lord, let the same thing happen that, that happened with Abram and Sarah and, and with Abraham and Sarah. Let it happen with me, Lord God, that your presence comes in and changes me, even my physical body. Thank you, Lord. They understand that something physically changed for these two people because of the presence of God. Yeah, he quickened their mortal bodies. We say those words, but do you understand? He really did that. He really did that. So God, he didn't, this wasn't just figurative language. There was a literal change. And we see the same thing is happening with us today. Uh, there is literal change that God is bringing into our lives. We are anticipating um, moving into 5776 in a couple of months. We'll be coming to the end of this meter year. And in, uh, and in that year, um, um, we're actually, this is not only a meter year, it's a, it's a 49th year. So next year is a 50th year, and most of you know that's a year of Jubilee. Now, most of the focus is going to go on the Jubilee and not many people are going to look at what does this year mean? What does this year actually mean? And 5776, um, its meaning is this. It's the uh, Hebrew letter for six means uh, it's the number of man, but it's also the number of physical completion. It's the number of redemption. It's the number for transformation. So we're looking at this new season that God is bringing us into 
as a time of completion for us, a time of redemption, a time of transformation. Uh, wow. <laughs> and so when you combine that with ayin, which, one's, which is to see, in other words, God, give us insight into this completion that you have. Let us see it from your perspective, this redemption. Let us see it from your perspective, this transformation. Uh, wow. And so we're just looking and watching what God is doing. Last year, uh, we were in St. Louis for my niece's for our niece's uh, wedding, she asked me and Carol to come and to perform the ceremony uh, that was on the Saturday, uh, last Saturday in October. The very next day, Sunday morning, um, my brother asked me and Carol to get up and greet our home church, our congregation. So we stood up and just began to talk about some of the things that God had been doing, which was unite to restore the big prayer gathering we did, had here in Harrisburg and how God was starting to connect us up with various people. And we also gave them a charge concerning the times that we're in, that we're living in, that people got to make up their mind for God, our live or for God, our die. I also, we charged our home church that the eyes of the world are on, were on St. Louis because of the whole Michael Brown tragedy and that they need to seize the moment to win their friends and families to the Lord. Don't just get caught up in the controversy. So we gave all those kinds of words and charges and everything. And then at the end of our little, I guess it took us about 10 minutes. Uh, at the end, we just asked everybody to pray for us, be praying for us because uh, we were planning on taking a trip with uh, Abby and Jim and the rest of the team to go to Kurdistan and that we uh, felt like God was going to be opening up other doors for us to go uh, other parts of the world. So we just asked our church family to pray for us. Well, we didn't mean for them to stop and pray right then. We just meant... <laughs> Would you pray for us? Because God, we just sense that God's going to open up some other doors for us. We open. We were very open, and we really have been because of all of the elders and ministers and training there. We're very open with them, and we expressed our disappointment with uh, how things have gone in Harrisburg, uh, um, and we did it. We we don't we don't we do things like that not to put down this city, but we want them to understand that when you get sent out in ministry, things don't always go the way you plan. And it doesn't mean you failed. That's right. That's right. That Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, told them to be prepared for both things. He said, That's be prepared right. if they receive you yeah, to, to, you know, eat what they give you. Yeah. you know, don't grumble and, you know, just receive what they give you and leave your peace in that house. But if they don't, he said, go to the edge of that city, shake the dust off your feet, keep on moving. <laughs> so we were just telling them, because a lot of them look up to, uh, look up to us. They, have, we, they respect me and Carol highly. They love us very much. And, uh, but we wanted to give them the real deal because we got so many people in training who are, who are about to get sent out just like me and Carol were sent out. And so I wanted them to know the real deal. <laughs> you got to be prepared for both. Your ministry could explode and you become a thousand members in, in a year. But you could also go 10 years and still only have five people. <laughs> we want you to know you got to be ready. So I want to share with you 
to rehearse those moments and that word that God spoke because now that I've shown you what God has just done, getting a call from the United Kingdom to come, now I want you to hear this word. And it reminded me uh, this year, 2015, is 40 years of ministry for me. I know I don't look that old, but thank you. <laughs> but the first time I went forth in ministry was 1975 as a family. I've been in ministry a long, long time, since I was 15 years old. And so 2015 makes 40 years of ministry. And so we know that this isn't a coincidence that we get a call from another nation. And again, same thing, go to youth and young adults. 40 years in, God is something else. But the Lord says, say this before, 1975, our very first ministry time together, my first ministry team was mainly my family members. That's 12 years before this church was birthed. And then for 17 years, they served here after the church was birthed. 29 years. Now, 39 years in, God is saying this. Let's keep things in perspective. It looks like we're being overlooked. We're being preserved. We're being prepared for what God wants to do with us. How many of you know God's got to get all of the... He's got to get enough of it out of us where we can really just say, yes. Yes to God. And I want to thank you saying yes to God. When you're on a team and you got these kind of goods, you know what I'm talking about. Ask Scotty with Mike. I hope too. But it takes prophetic discernment to see who you are, where you are, don't let titles throw you. Don't let them throw you. Deacon, minister, churchman, don't let that stuff throw you. Some folk can get into places because you're a member. You ain't got no title. Yeah. Daniel wasn't called Elder, Elder Daniel. <laughs> Anybody got that? Nehemiah wasn't, he wasn't apostle me Nehemiah. He was a cup bearer, but he obeyed God. Come on, hallelujah. Esther wasn't evangelist Esther. She's a little Jewish girl, pretty. And God made her an empress for the preservation of a nation. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, get past the title. Gotta get past that, gotta get past that. Say this secondly, get past the timeline. Get past the timeline. All right? Here's the third thing. You want to get past the temperaments of people. That's who you are before your personality is shaped into what it is. That's who you are at the core. Let's get past all that stuff. Titles, timelines, and temperaments. And God can use us. 
I mean, you got that? You got that? He uses like he wants to use us. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, we as elders and ministers of the gospel appointed in this house representing your people, most importantly representing you, we lay our hands upon your servants that you have sent here, not only for a wedding, as usual, you have something else in mind. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you for the confirmation of the word that you have been speaking, not only in this house, but around this nation and around the world. This is a new day. It is a new time. Steve Jobs is gone. We thank you for the newness. And Lord, in this period of exile that we have sensed, you even told us to prophesy about. We thank you for a further acknowledgement. And we respond today to the call. Now, Lord, as we lay hands upon your servants, we trust you now for supernatural grace, holy anointing from heaven, to become and to be and to do all that you have for them to be and to do. In the name of Jesus, sin of the Lord Christ rebukes you. As your servant, O God, underneath your authority, their overseer, we lay our hands upon them in Jesus' name. We set them apart, I hear the Holy Ghost say, for this new dimension of ministry. We affirm that you have spoken. I hear the word of the Lord, I am your refuge and your strength. I am your refuge, your refuge, he just keeps emphasizing that, I am your refuge and your strength. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and I will lead you, I will guide you, and I will protect you. I've never seen this before, but it looks like a movable, a moving cage, a moving uh, 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 cave. I'm sorry, I used the word cage, but cave. Caves were refuges, places to hide. God said, where I send you, that's what it's going to be like. And because it's moving, it will be virtually impossible to detect you or sense you and find you. Here in the word, you are my precious possession. The Hebrew term is sabula. You are my own special possession, said the Lord. And I will guard you with my very breath. I will guard you with my life. For indeed I exist to even protect your household and the hand and the word and the ministry of the Holy Ghost shall strengthen you. O oh, woman of God, daughter, you shall know a supernatural courage and a supernaturally infused strength from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And the prophetic dreams shall increase. Yes, and the spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus shall overtake your very life. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you to sustain you, O man of God. Sometimes you've drawn back from uttering the wisdom of God, concerned about the accuracy of the message, the accuracy of the interpretation. 
then there have been times you've drawn back because you have said within yourself, who am I to speak at this level? But as Samuel came even to Jesse's house, so the word of the Lord comes to your house. For I have chosen you for this day, and you will stand. For I've given the listener a grace to hear, and my hand of protection shall rest upon you, son. Do not, do not retreat. Do not retreat. Pastor Chris, while we were, Bishop was praying, I saw this distress that you and your wife was dealing with. And I was reminded what the scripture said in reference to what David said, in my distress, you enlarged my heart. And the Lord is saying that as your heart is enlarged and love for him is enlarged, the anointing is going to increase at the same measure. Because the anointing, I, I was at Mark Sharona's church and he preached this, that when Saul was anointed by Samuel, it, he used a small vial. But when David was anointed, he used a horn filled with oil. And he said that this was the implications. Saul had a small heart for God. But David had a big heart for God. And God said, that's you. That's you. So in your distress, your heart has been large. You and your wife have large for God. You only got closer to God. Your love for God has increased. But the anointing increases with it. Let's give God a hand. Praise God. woman of God. This is kind of awkward for me because I'm going to use a phrase that I actually detest. <laughs> so, so bear with me so I can explain to you. I think there are certain phrases in Christianity that are overused and abused. Um, and, and I think it's a deliberate attack of the devil so that when there's an authentic instance of it, we're so sick of that phrase that it has no meaning. And one of those phrases to me is this phrase, a yoke-crushing anointing. Because frankly, I think most of the time it's yoke creating anointings, <laughs> right? But but um, one of the things that God has showed me about you guys is that you truly have a yoke crushing anointing. And, and what what's interesting to me about it is that it exists at a subterranean level. I mean, most of the time we think of yoke crushing and we see we we see the examples of it, but God showed me chains around the roots of a tree at a level to which most people can't see. And God even showed me as I was sitting here that there are things that you can't even articulate. You're doing your best to articulate, but you can't tell at all because there doesn't yet exist a language in human words to explain what God is showing you. And so, but, but be encouraged in fact, here's what's odd. Now, you know, God showed me that when you guys just stand before people and you smile, you have magnanimous smiles. So that alone does it. 
it, it's not even in the articulation of what you do. It's in the presence, and it's in just inside of you there's a release of God. That's what does the job. That's the only thing you have to depend upon. It's not in the words. It's not in the English. It's not in articulation. It's simply in the release that comes out of your spirit. So, Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for the authentic and the real, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. The real has come and all the counterfeit be done away, Lord God. So in that moment, Father God, Lord, we remove everything, God, that would hinder the release of the flow of your spirit. For that which you've deposited within them, Father God, and you've cultivated all these years through the crushing and the breaking and the trials and the tribulations, Father God. It, it, it's the pressing of the, of the oil, Lord God, Lord, that that anointing may flow in that moment, in that instance, Lord God. We to call it forth in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I just, in the spirit, I see the stamp authentic. Just, just pounded on your forehead, the stamp authentic. And I'm reminded of Jacob, and he, when he wrestled with the angel, his, his, Thigh was thigh joint was messed up, and he walked with a limp from that point on. And God is going to use you. He will cause people to follow you because they see an authentic man of God, one who has gone through, <laughs> one who's gone through. I, I thank God for Him giving you understanding about the, the disappointment, <laughs> because you will minister to those. You you have the heart, His heart. For those who have misunderstood what he has done, misunderstood his judgment, misunderstood God's uh, dealings in our life, we've misunderstood him. And you have a, 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 you see it, and you're able to minister to those who have misunderstood God's dealings in their life. They've misjudged him, but you know, and you will be able to minister to them because you're an authentic couple, authentic man and woman of God. Father, I thank you for even revealing to Chris and Carol, Father, what your heart was for them, Father, through the hard times, Father, when it was darkness, oh God, they couldn't see the way, but you showed them your heart, and I thank you, Father, for drawing them through that place, oh God, and for healing the deep wounds, oh God. Father, that they too, the limp that they walk with now, Father, it will never be healed, it will never go away, but Father, I thank you for removing the pain. I thank you, Father, for dealing the deep in the deep places of their hearts, oh God. Father, for giving them understanding as to where you brought them from, Father. Though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Father, I thank you that you were with them, oh God. And Father, from this point on, they will fear no evil, Father. Now, I bless you. We thank you. We give you praise. Father, I thank you for the men and women that you have caused to follow them, Father, because you have set them up as an example. Father, I thank you that they no longer will hold back in sharing the heartaches and sharing the pains and the hurts, oh God. That the authentic man of God, the authentic woman of God will be seen. Father, I thank you that there's no flash and there's no glimmer and there's none of that junk, the glamour, Father. They don't seek, but Father, they seek to serve you with their whole hearts. And I thank you for drawing men and women to them, Father, who have been broken, who have misunderstood you, oh God. Father, that they can come to know your heart and your love and your compassion through the pain. In Jesus' name.
hearing the tone of God as a father speaking to his son. And he's saying, don't despise what I have allowed you to go through because he's tempering you, he's calibrating you, and he's brought you to this place. And I'm hearing that you will pour out the oil and the wine. He's saying, do not ever again, I hear the voice of God saying, like a father, don't ever despise what I have allowed you to go through. Ever again, never, ever, ever, ever again. This day, let this be a shift in your thinking, in your confession, because all of the words that went forth, you will indeed pour out the oil and the wine. Father, we just thank you now. We seal it, Father, that, Lord, we will hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for great is the recompense of our reward. Father, we thank you, Father, now, God, that all that you allow us to go through, Father God, is indeed works together for the good to them that love you. So, so we say yes in our spirits. We say yes to your will and your way, Father God. Thank you for this man of God. Encourage his heart today. Let this be a day of refreshing. In Jesus' name, amen. The word of the Lord for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. I've strategically placed you in Harrisburg. I have divinely made connections that my purpose would be released. I was there when it seemed like there was a failure, when they abandoned, when they left, when things did not work out. I was there. I've been preparing your heart for years. That's why you've been developed in computer skills praise and worship, marriage ministry, singles ministry. I have been ordering your steps because there is a people group that I've called you to minister to that are broken. You're able to identify with the brokenhearted. You're able to identify with those that have been cast down. You're able to identify with those that have been rejected. Just like Joseph told his brothers, what they meant for evil, God meant it for good. What has happened in your life is all about preparation. That you're able to stand strong and know that I am the true and living God. I am the one that's able to raise up. I have the king's heart in my hand, and I'm able to turn it like a river. He's preparing you. He's preparing you to touch lives. He's preparing you to see souls coming to the kingdom of God. That's why he said, I've been able to trust you. Even during the difficult times, I've been able to trust you. He's breaking off of you today, fear. He's breaking off of you today, discouragement. God is divinely faithful. Remember what I told you years ago. I am the faithful one. I am the true and living God. My word. It's the final word. 
So I bless you, Lord God, for this precious couple in the name of the Lord Jesus. That you are restoring what's been lost. You are restoring what's been forfeited. You are restoring, Lord God, even when we make bad decisions, Lord, you specialize in restoration. Heal the brokenhearted. Heal the downcast, Lord God. God said, I'm opening up doors. I'm opening up doors that you could have never imagined. And I'm going to give you the courage. I'm going to give you the strength to walk in. But you are able to feel like divine purpose in the earth. So I bless you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. says, I see a seed that has fallen to ground and died. Hallelujah. And your bishop has prayed for you. He has prepared you. Also see the work of the ministry. Kyrgyzstan would just be the beginning of international travel, the Lord says. And something very interesting, he said, Chris, CC, you know, when you send out an email, it's like carbon copy. He said, I'm sending something of a carbon copy of me. And it's a, it's a word. You're going to get overwhelmed about the need of meeting your people. But what will flow from your bellies will satisfy the need of a people. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this carbon copy your image that you're sending in full maturation for a people for such a time as this. And I thank you, oh God, for your great grace and your great peace abounding in them, Lord. He inquired of you. He, he asked communion of you. He asked for prayer. So we agree with you, what you've purposed, what you have planned, what you have predetermined for their lives before they were even born. We thank you for the process that you had them in. We thank you for bringing them into the full statue of your son, that fruit may be tasteful and abundant to a people who are hungry and who are thirsty. And so we pour in, is what has been declared, the oil and the wine, and we anoint them in the name of Jesus for such a time as this, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of your body, hallelujah, for the building and the equipping of the saints in the name of Jesus. Sister Carol, the Lord will say to you that you will not be in the background, that the word of the Lord will come forth out of your mouth. He's sending you to minister to those women, those young women, those girls. You will step forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus for a spirit of boldness as never before. You've drawn back sometimes. 
But God says he's loosing you this day. He's loosing you to go forward, to stand beside your husband. He loose your tongue today with boldness that you might declare the word of God, the word of healing in the name of Jesus. We thank you today, Lord God, that they will minister together, Lord God, and bear much fruit, that the women she will touch, Lord God, will go forth in liberty and freedom, oh God, that they will be set free through this vessel, oh God. In Jesus' name, we thank you for her, Lord God, and how you're going to use her, Lord God. In Jesus' name. song of the Lord will prevail. Jesus Christ never fails. <laughs> Though Satan would rise in defiance and disguise, it's good to know. So good to know, no, no. That the song of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the blood of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the sword of the Lord. can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. As I begin to think about you, think about you and girl, I know, I know, worship is indispensably connected to everything. everything. You might have thought that your songwriting days were over. say what you want to say about Pastor Chris is songs, but 
you know the word of the Lord is in them song. And every one of them, he starts it Everybody may not appreciate that, but the word of the Lord, my God, the word of the Lord, and I even see you singing, they may not even understand the language, but they understand the spirit, yeah, they may not speak English, but they can speak God. Oh my God. Come on, somebody, let's receive the word. Let's thank God. teens, I'm looking over this direction, but you're throughout the entire church. This is Teen Life Sunday, and uh, God had a, obviously something, amen. And so we're going to move y'all to next week, all right? We'll move you to next Sunday so we can get out and we can do the baptism and all the stuff that we're going to try to do. We thank those of you that came, you were invited, and uh, blame it on God, okay? No, 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 no. We, we, we missed it. Then. Aren't, aren't, you t aren't you tired of predictable church? Come on. And, and, and believe me, I'm a person that believes, and these elders and ministers, we're people that believe in order. That, that sun goes up at a certain time and comes down at a certain time. I'm not knocking order. But when you can get to the point where you can look at your watch and you're not here and you know what's going on, yes, sometimes that ain't right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. We're saying we did what we came to do, but the question is, did God do what he came to do? something a long time ago, the order, the order and the discipline is not just to do my thing. It is always to help me to be sensitive to what God wants to do. And once we are connected with what God wants, we let go of what we thought we were supposed to do. And we move forward to the purposes of God. It's very, very important. It's a, it's a hard lesson to learn sometimes. It's very difficult. I've blown it many times. But this has been of God today. God brought you home. You got a word, Mom? God brought you home. He brought you home for a reason. And he knew he couldn't get you here unless your niece was getting married. And she asked you yeah, to come. But he had something else in mind. And everybody in here can sense this is what God wanted to do. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We got, we, got, we got prophecies stirred up again. We got hundreds of prophecies and all of us to give you. And some of it you're going to have to wait till after service to get. But 
sisters. Amen. In the name of the Lord. Yes, ma'am. I just have something to, to say to the parents and those of you who are raising children. I am uh, so blessed today. And uh, yes. my desire is that God be glorified. I live for that. I don't care what happened. I live for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. That's what counts. The Lord gave me a dream when Chris was a little boy and I saw this tree and it was loaded with fruit. It was, the, the limbs were so heavy till I, I thought some of the fruit had fell on the ground and I looked on the ground and there was no fruit on the ground. It all remained. So I was reminding him, I said, Chris, the Lord had me to share this with you when you was a teenager, I think. And now we see the Lord beginning this. They have other fruit, but this is going to be that great big tree with all this fruit that Jesus promised us. So I want to say to the parents that you're raising children, be encouraged. Put the, put the word in them. Teach them about Jesus. You be an example. If you believe Jesus, if you believe the word, you be an example. Don't make excuses for your sin. When you fall short, tell your kids why I was wrong. And I gotta go and pray and ask God to forgive me. This is this is how you teach. You don't teach by words only. You teach by example. Nobody believes you if you don't do what you say. But I was just sharing with Chris. I said, Chris, when I had my heart attack, I didn't know I was sick. I went home to cook, and I cooked a full meal, and was getting ready to serve my family. And my oldest daughter said, Mom, your eyes don't look right. And I said, what do they look like? She said, it looks like you're getting ready to have a heart attack. I said, heart attack? I'm not getting ready to have a heart attack. And she said, come on, let's go and uh, yeah, check it out, get it checked out. I never came home until three or four months later. I did not know that I was on the verge of a heart attack. I just shared with Chris just now. I said, Chris, I went through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know if anybody had any illness that, that way before, but I was so sick. But through it all, the joy of the Lord was so great, I never became afraid. Not one time, I was not fearful. And I, I just, it was amazing to me. And when I came out of it, I said, well, Lord, I know you left me here for a reason. I don't know what it is. So this is part of it. This is part of it today. Yes, it, is. it is. He he loved me so much, he's gonna let me see it. Isn't that great? I thank you. I love playing these prophetic reminders of what God has spoken to us. This is not an unusual thing. God would have his people that when they experience victories or they receive the word of the Lord, they would build an altar or they would set up stones so that later on, they said later generations could ask, what does that mean? And then you could tell them the story. Here in these quote, modern times, no, we don't have physical uh, altars and stones set up, but we have technology that we can go back and remind ourselves, what did God say? And of course, me and Carol are overwhelmed in this every time we 
watch these videos because in our hearts, it is not about Chris and Carol. It's about what he desires to do. There are no words to explain how humbling it is when God chooses you to do a particular thing. And I know you know what I mean, because all the time it's not stuff that's done out front. There are just things that God tells you, drops in your heart to do every day. And isn't it humbling you go, God, that you would speak to me and trust me to talk to this person or say something to this person or do this. You know, sometimes God just gives you little things that buy such and such a gift and give it to them. Cinema thinking, and then when you stop and think about it, you go, Wow, God, I'm honored that you would use me. And so that's how we feel with this, even though He called us to be kind of like, you know, the point person or the out front people for this. To us, uh, it's about Him. And having served in, in ministry, we know that even more. The whole focus for us, the whole time we were. Uh, in that church, it was always about what could we do to push forth what God wanted done? How could we be of service to the man and the woman of God who are overseeing? How can we take the burden off of them that they don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day stuff and the, the mundane stuff and the, all the things that could pull you away from your calling? That's what the apostles were going through in the early church when they were serving uh, when, when the church community was serving the widows and there arose the Bible said a dispute between the Greek the Hellenistic women and the Jewish women and you know who, about the distribution of the uh, of the goods and uh, and so they wanted to pull the apostles into that and the guy said uh, no that's not right that we should be pulled away from what God has called us to do to wait on tables. And so what has happened to us is that we have realized that uh, because of so many people's orientation of church and what they think is the pastor's role and what they think is the apostle's role, when apostles don't take the, don't come away from the study of the word of God, when they, when they won't pull away from prayer and fasting and they, you know, uh, then people get offended and they get angry because they feel like, well, that's the pastor's job. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? You're just giving you all your time to prayer and fasting and studying the word. No, your job is to feed the hungry. Your job. And these guys said, no, choose some brothers right. who can do that because the only reason why I'm paraphrasing, uh, but the only reason why we even have this stuff to distribute and to give is because we remain in the presence of God. We stay before him so that we can get his word, so that we can get his direction. The reason why they were able to meet every day, just think about the early church. They were able to meet every day, house to house, and receive word and encouragement from one another. And they're able to receive, the, the Bible said, apostles' doctrine teaching and fellowship. It wasn't just all teaching, the apostles fellowship. Wow, hanging out with these guys, getting to know who they really are, getting to understand that no, we're flawed and messed up just like everybody else. And we're just as amazed as everybody else that God is using us. Can you imagine the stories they had to tell, the things that are not written in, in, the, in those letters that 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote. The stuff that these guys were able to tell about personal time with Jesus. Can you just imagine? Yeah, you can meet house to house. Just tell us more about Jesus and what he said so that I can understand what he wants to do in my life. And I'm sure that these guys were just amazed that all this time that we were walking with Jesus and ministering with Jesus and watching him do stuff and the times he gave us pop quizzes and we just looked at each other like, what's he talking about? <laughs> and the stupid things we said, see, that makes it real. Then everybody understands, yeah, we're all on this journey and you don't always know what God is doing. And most of the time, we don't have a clue as to what he's doing until long after he's done it. You know, now they're able to say in these house to house meetings. Yeah, uh, there was this one time when he fed the five thousand five thousand people. Man, it was miraculous. It was crazy. We thought, dude, wh what are we going to do? We ain't all we got this little boy's lunch. And you talking about feeding all these people. Man, can you imagine the looks on our faces when we ended up with 12 basketfuls of stuff left over? And then later on, we're traveling with him and we and he says something about the leaven of the, uh, the the Pharisees. And we thought he was talking about bread. We didn't have a clue what he was talking about. One time he went off on us and said, you faithless generation, how long must I do? But at the same time, we always knew that he loved us. We always knew he was on our side. We always knew he was trying to get us to see something. And now we can see what he's trying, what he was trying to get us to see. See that to me, that's real. And I believe that that's how he wants us moving and operating in the church today. But we've been so uh, boxed into religion and religious order that when God sends people, he says, no, it's not about that. Why can't we just sit and talk? Why do I have to stand at a podium for in order, in order for you to feel like it's anointed? <laughs> Why do I have to say, thus saith the Lord, before you believe that it's God? We don't have to go through all of that. And it's amazing to me how God will use your personality just the way you are. And he'll use the quirks that you have. We all have these fun little quirks and our sense of humor. He'll use all of that to get his point across, to get his message across, to get his will across. And so uh, I guess I'm saying all of this to say we're astounded when we look back at these words and see God's promises that he has made to us. Uh, our hearts are still for God to do something incredible in this region. Well, we don't know how to make it come to pass. All we know is to do what he said do. He told us to gather and to pray. And so we just keep gathering and praying and, and, and for us to now step through the open doors that he sends to us. So rather it's Nigeria or the United Kingdom and wherever else he opens doors for us to go, we will go. And I'm just trusting you guys to just keep right on meeting and praying, aren't we? Just keep right on meeting and praying, no, no matter where we are. If there if it happens to be a Sunday, like there will be a few Sundays coming up in the fall where we'll be gone. Won't you guys still come here? Meet and pray. Pray for us. <laughs> no matter where we are. Um, continue in the fellowship. Continue in the word. Uh, because I really do believe, Carol and I talk about this all the time, we believe that there is coming a day when God's going to allow a sequence of events that are going to drive the church into the homes. 
it happened, it's happened, it's happening all over the world where the church is being driven into the home. Why? And I don't see that as a negative thing. I don't, well, everything is falling apart. It's failing and church buildings are shutting down. So close down buildings. That doesn't change the church. Well, it's going to change some jobs. It's going to change some structures. And there's many people there desperately trying to hold on to the way God did things in the past. I see here in this area, they're really, we're really stuck in the 90s because God did some powerful things in this region in the 90s. And so we, we've watched it wane and fade out. And now there's a momentum that's building again, but many are still, still are trying to restructure it back the way it was in the 90s. And God's doing it a whole new way. He's not trying to build what he built 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yes, God needed Billy Graham. He needed an Oral Roberts. He needed a Catherine Kuhlman. Those who would blaze the trail and, and be out front so that the body of Christ could get a bigger picture of God. Because up until then, uh, we did only think of God in little small he was only in my corner, my little block, my little denomination. So God used these people to break past the barriers and the limitations and let us see just how big our God is. He's global. He's not just your little community church. But God wasn't saying get rid of your community church. God wasn't saying get rid of your home group. But that's how people took it. So they came out of the houses and came out of the small groups and began to go to big mega things. And we thought, this is it. Because people get 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, 30,000 member churches. And if you don't have 30,000 members, then you ain't doing nothing. And that was never what the Holy Spirit was saying. Not at all. And now in this time where people need a small group, they need the intimate setting. Why? Because here in America, we don't have a sense of family. And when you read, when you read the early church, they met house to house. Why? Family. And we've got to have a sense of family. We have to have it. This generation alone has to have family. When I, when I'm driving along the streets and you're like me, I'm sure you're like me. You see kids driving down the street and they're texting while they're driving. They ain't supposed to be doing that. And, but even when they're sitting in restaurants, they're on their. That's right. That's right. And all their friends sitting around, right. and everybody's like this. That's right. So I don't have any sense of family. No. They don't even have any sense of friendship. Right. And as soon as somebody posts something on Instagram or Facebook that they don't like, you delete that person. <laughs> There's no dialogue. What do you mean by that? You said something that. I find that offensive. Can we talk and find out where you're coming from? No, just delete. So there's no sense of family. Now, how's that translate in the body of Christ? We do the same thing. As soon as a pastor, a brother, a sister, a leader in the church says something that you don't like, you're offended. And even though they're still sitting right in the building and we're all gathered in the service, five, 10,000 members, you've already sat right there and delete. And you don't even, they don't care to have relationship with people around them. Don't even care. And so I just believe that in this 21st century, the, the hypocrisy, I call it the, the religion of hypocrisy has to stop. It has to stop. We have to have relationship. You don't stay that married, man, next time. Our next anniversary will be 35 
years. You don't stay with somebody 35 years if every time you disagree. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Delete. End of conversation. You don't. And so I believe that God wants to, this restoration of family because, yeah, there, uh, there have been just too many of us men, too many of us men who have deleted our family, deleted our wife, our kids, and moved on. I can't handle this pressure. I don't like this pressure of having to provide and be there for everybody, so delete. And the women who, uh-uh, I hate that word, submit, reverence, <laughs> delete. <laughs> Children obey your parents. No, delete. <laughs> Be respectful to your in your to your employer. <laughs> Just throw the whole thing away. <laughs> but why is that there? Why is that there? I love it because Paul, the Apostle Paul, he talked all about these great revelations and wonderful things but in the first part of Ephesians. And then he said, now this is how this works out in everyday life. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Everybody, you, you give your employer an honest day's work. And if you're an employer, you treat your people right. See, that's where it translates everyday life. And if we can't have it there in everyday life, I am not interested in playing religion. I'm not interested in, in FaceTime. You know, we even got an app called FaceTime. I'm, I'm not interested in FaceTime. We do FaceTime in, in, the, in the church a lot. Hi, I'm blessed. Hi. Bless, God bless you. God bless you. And it's all FaceTime. I hate FaceTime. I want that when somebody doesn't understand something that I said or that I did, that they can say, they can come to me and say, I don't, I don't quite understand why you did that. Could you explain that? That came off to me wrong. I'm not accusing you, but I just didn't. I didn't get that. Can you ex further explain why you said that or why you did that? Then you're given an opportunity. And then what always happens, you, you, you're able to point, really get to the, what the real issue is. And when you do, that, re that relationship moves to another level. But, oh, that was just the way I took it. Or the person can give me an opportunity to say, that's n I didn't use the right words. That's, that's not the word choice I was going for. That's the only thing I thought of in the moment, but that's really not what I was trying to say. Then you go, oh, okay. And now we're building something because for what God wants to do in this region, I know he wants us to have real relationships, real. I know I can't, me and Carol can't get close to every single person. It's just... It's just only one can do that is God. <laughs> you have your circle. I mean, we're family people. We put our family first. Us, first of all, us with one another. So everybody can't come in that. This is me and her. Everybody can't come in that. The only ones who really can come in that is really our children. 
And that's how it's supposed to be. And that's why churches and ministries have blown up and messed up because pastors and wives have allowed people to come into their inner space and like right. things. And, they, and I know why they did it. Because if I don't let them in this space, they're going to leave the church. Well, let them leave. That's what Pastor Chris let by. Because you can't be in this. This is us, our family. And only the ones that we invite in. We were talking the week because we've had visits the last couple of weeks from some of our spiritual daughters who we've known over 25 years now. And we got to talking to one of them about, said, you know, she's like, Dad, I don't even know how this happened. How did I end up being close to you guys? And we told her, we don't even know. We just felt the peace of God of allowing you into our family. We didn't pick and choose. And, I said, and those are the kind of things you can't explain. When you're an associate pastor in a church and God tells you to take in or take on some of the young people at a closer level. Now, that, of course, that's going to make some of the other young people feel like, oh, why they got their picks and chooses? Look, I, I don't even have time to explain all that. <laughs> all we know is God said, take them in. Bring them in a little bit closer. And Jesus did the same thing. Out of all those folks that was following him, he went up and prayed all night one time. And when he came down out of the mountain, the Bible says he called all these people that had been following him, all these disciples to him, and then he chose 12. Now, what do you think that looked like? Because these people had been following him. You know, a bunch of people following him. And then he calls everybody together, and then he chooses 12. Y'all gonna, gonna be part of my inner circle. Now in our society today, especially in this part of the country, most of the other folks would have left. I've been following you too. How come I ain't get picked? See, I, don't y'all love my man? Why you ain't pick me? Especially Peter dude always going off cussing all the time. How you gonna pick a cussing fisherman over me? <laughs> I love how God is, the stuff that he does, the way he operates. You can't explain it all. All you know is this is the way, these are the ways of God. Many of these words have great and greatly impacted me and Carol, but we wanted to share these things with you guys today. Uh, because in this Shemitah year, this year here he's telling us to go back and eat from the old crops. And eat from the old crops because this is the time. Don't sow, don't harvest. You're going to have to live off of what you've already harvested. So God keeps telling that's been this whole year. Go back and look at the words I've already given you. Rehearse the stuff I already then told you. And those are the kind of things I'm realizing more and more. It's a risk when you do that. What do you mean by risk? Because everybody wants something new. Teach me something new. Give me something new. And God's like, mm-mm. a year, nothing new. Eat what I already gave you. <laughs> Rehearse what I already told you. Why? Because in this particular a year, which is the 49th year, you're getting ready to move into Jubilee. You're getting ready to move into something very special. You're getting ready to mean move into a time of completion because it's, it'll be year 5776. You're getting ready to move into a year of redemption. You're getting ready to move into a year of transformation. And so one thing that I just, what he's speaking to me in this time is 
The reason why it's good to rehearse it all before I take it into this new season is so that you can make the connection. Look at what I've done. I used to do this in our home church many years ago. All, every year, I was always asked to uh, connect the dots for everybody during our church anniversary. And I would always write this long thing and read it of how we started, and I'd highlight special moments that happened all the way through the years, and I'd bring everybody up to date to where we are right now, so that when our guest speaker would come in and begin to speak into our future, everybody could now see, look at what God has done, I'd bring up what I just thought, here are our altars, here are our stones, here are the things that God has done right up to this moment. And can't you see he's doing that with us right now? He's saying, look at what I've spoken to you, look at the promises I've given you, now, as you move into 5776, as you move into the year of Jubilee, you'll be ready. We'll be ready for it. We'll have an appreciation of what God is doing and why he's doing it. Yes, he's sending us to the world. Don't, can't explain it. <laughs> uh, all of the reasons why. Uh, but I know that there's still something he wants to do in this region. I know that there's something he wants to do in this region. So we've always known that we would have a dual ministry. Didn't we say that? Uh, uh, we've always known we'd have a dual ministry, and that is something happened in the region where he has us planted and something at the same time to, a, to the nations that he's sending us. But what it takes in order to do that, it takes a people, not just a couple. It takes a people to do, to do that. And so we're just trusting the Lord that he's going to surround us. That's part of the prophetic word he received. We'll play that for you next week. It's just a little short one. You won't get a long one for 40 minutes next time. Um, it's a very short one that came to us while we were ministering over in Mechanicsburg at the barn. And at the end of the service, the folks got around us and prophesied about what God wants to do in this region through this ministry. And so we're going to release that one. And we're going to look at what God said, hear what he said about what God wants to do through us, what he's assigned for us to do. And so we're looking forward to it. Aren't you glad? Bless the name of the Lord.